Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Can we pray together? Father, this morning I ask you to add your blessing to the Word of God. And I pray, Father, that this simple message would be a help to those that are here. And you would bless them in the mighty name of Jesus, I ask and I pray. Hebrews 13, 8 simply says, it's a very familiar passage of Scripture, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. If I had to focus on a certain part of that Scripture, I would focus on these words, who is, who was, and who is to come. What a beautiful promise to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that we serve a God who is. He's the same yesterday, today, everybody say today, and forever. We serve a now God. When he appeared to Moses at the burning bush on Mount Sinai in the wilderness in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, and he spoke, he revealed himself as the I am who I am. He's not the great I was, and some people only see God as the God of the past or the God of yesterday. And sometimes we worship the great moves of God of the past. Sometimes we relegate God to the past. And sometimes we cannot see what God wants to do in the future because we limit Him based on what we've seen Him do in the past. But I believe today that we must raise our level of expectation. I love to study the moves of God in the past. And this church has a tremendous heritage and a history. I was teaching this weekend in London. I've been to London this weekend. I went through the magic of the Internet. I taught while you were asleep Friday night, early Saturday morning. I was up teaching for four hours. I taught six hours in London, and I taught in London and Wales. So I've been to both London and Wales this weekend. And as I was teaching, the Brother Harold Presley, who is our missionary and who leads all of that part of Europe there, he introduced me, and he says, Pastor Terry pastors a historic church. In, in our movement and in our denomination. And I told them the history of our church. 104 years we've been here in this community preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we look back on that time, we had great moves of God's spirit. We had wonderful things that happened. And we can look back and we honor that. And I love to study the moves of God and the revivals of the past. I love to hear the testimonies of past victories. But I have an expectation today that we've not witnessed all that He, the Lord Jesus Christ, desires to do or to bring in our lives. He is not just the great I will be. Some only embrace Him in a future context. He is going to move. He is going to send revival. He is going to save. But I've come by today to share with you that he's not just the God of the past. He's not just the God of the future. But he is the God of the present. Listen to this powerful scripture from Revelation chapter 13 verse 8. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. We learn in 8... Uh, John eight fifty eight. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. He's not the great I was. He's not the great I will be. He is the great I am today. He is a now God. He is an ever-present help in the time of trouble. Listen, I believe God has my future planned out. I believe God has my tomorrow planned out. I believe God has for me something in the future that is good. For I know the 
the plans I have for you, says the Lord. How can he say that? Because God reigns above the time-space continuum. He looks down, he sees the whole panorama of my life. That means that what's happening today with this pandemic, with all the unrest that's in our nation, with all the strife that's in our nation, with all the division, it has not caught God off guard. God's not in heaven wringing his hands. He's not calling a council meeting saying, what is plan B? But I want to tell you the God we serve today, he's on the throne. He's in charge. He's in control of the affairs of man. And you and I can rest in his presence and know that if God be for us, who can be against us? Somebody say amen. I want you to listen to this powerful scripture in Revelation 13 verse 8. All who dwell on the earth, go back to that, will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world, he was the Lamb slain. You see, he's a now God. In Malachi 3.16 it says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Listen to the opening words of the Gospel of John in John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. We serve a mighty God. Psalms 102, 25 through 27. Of old you laid the foundations of the earth. The heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. Yes, they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will change them, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. Just last week or so, we watched as the, the SpaceX broadcast, I think it was the Falcon 9 rocket. I've got a picture of it on my phone. And I'm excited about that. And they last two men into space and my wife asked me as we were watching that she said would you go to space I said I would leave today I'd get on top of that rocket and off we'd go and as they go up into the expanse of the heavens and as we declare that's the next frontier and they're talking about putting men uh, a base on the moon they're talking about going to Mars I want to tell you we haven't scratched the surface of all that the God we serve has spoken into creation I want you to take comfort today because the God we serve reigns over heaven and earth. In Revelation chapter 5 verse 1 through 7, it gives us a glimpse into the throne room of heaven. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back seven sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll and loose its seals. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scrolls and loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the, in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat 
on the throne. I want to just simply tell you that the Lamb of Calvary, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lord Jesus Christ is on the throne today. Take comfort today that in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of hopelessness, we serve the God of hope and we can know in whom we have believed and we can be persuaded that He's able to keep that which we've committed unto Him against that day. Hallelujah. We're in a worldwide storm. I was with this group from England, pastors and leaders. Precious. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. This was my fourth time being involved with this church and this school of ministry that we have there in London. London is one of the great cities of the world. It's, uh, according to Forbes magazine, I read a few years ago, it's the most influential city in the world. I would have thought it would have been Washington or New York or Beijing or perhaps one of the other great capitals, but London is considered to be one of the most influential, if not the most influential city in the world. And I was a part of that. They were talking about how they had been sheltering in place and how they, and, and Joe Corey in Northern Ireland, who's a good friend of ours and a friend of this church, told me this week, he said, we're still not opened up yet. We can only go out and get certain things. And he said, this island is so small that we know, everybody knows somebody that's been affected by this COVID-19 virus. So the whole world has been in this storm. And our nation is in a storm right now. You may have opinions about that, and different ones may have opinions about that. But I was thinking this morning and praying this morning, and I was thinking, only God can come and heal that. Legislation won't heal that. It takes the Lord Jesus Christ. So the church must arise in this hour. And we must not just speak out in the world, but we must speak before the throne of God and pray. The greatest influence we have is before the throne of God on our knees. So we need God's intervention in our nation. So this morning, I want to talk to you about contending in a crisis for a comeback. Anybody ready for a comeback? So let's look, first of all, number one, at a crisis. I saw a recent poll, and you better be careful of polls. Many of them are slanted to, to the slant of who does it. You know, some will say this and some will say that. You just, have to, you just have to be careful. But I saw this poll, and here's what it said. A majority of people believe our nation is out of control. And I keep seeing posts on Facebook that say this, can we just skip ahead of 2021? Can we push a reset button and get out of 2020 because of all the trouble that 2020 has brought? What's going on? Well, there's a spiritual battle being waged in our nation and in the nations of the earth. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. What is God doing in the earth today? Well, he's shaking the earth. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26 and 27. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. A few years ago, we were having a marriage conference up in, I believe it was Henderson, Hendersonville, North Carolina, up in Flat Rock in that area, and there were a number of our couples that were there. And we were playing the dating game. I think that's what it is, the dating game. So we sent the men out, and the women were, you know, giving their answers. And while they were out there, somebody, they knocked on the door, and they said, we're out here and on the television. There's been an earthquake that took place in, in Greenwood. So, of course, that interrupted the dating game. The earthquake became more important than the dating game. 
And, you know, they were reporting on it. I don't think a whole lot of people felt it. So I said, I need to have somebody to go by and check on the pets at my house, the dogs at my house. And you know that them two dogs of mine slept through that earthquake? They could sleep through anything. But the, the earth shook, and it didn't wake them up. Some folks are asleep today, and the earth and everything around them is shaking. You see, verse 27 says this. Well, let's go back to verse 26. Whose voice then shook the earth, and now as he's promised, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Verse 27, yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. When you're born again, you become a citizen of, the, of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The whole world around us can be shaking, but we don't have to be afraid. Philippians 3.20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice, secondly, he's shaking the financial markets. When we see this shaking, we don't have to be fearful. Markets are driven by uncertainty and fear. If good news comes out, the market soars. If bad news comes out, it drops. One day it's up 900 points. The next day it's down 1,000 points. And it, it's moved by emotion and fear and uncertainty. But 1 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. See, we don't have to live according to the world's economy. Luke 6.38 works in good times and it works in bad times. Listen, this word of God that I'm preaching to you this morning, it will work in a pandemic. It'll work in a time of shaking. It'll work in unrest in our nation. It'll work in an election year. It'll work when the Democrats are in charge. It'll work when the Republicans are in charge. You see, we're not bound by the this world's economy but we live according to God's economy and somebody say amen so here's what we have to do Luke 6 38 says this it says give and it will be given to you good measure pressing down shaking together and running over will be put into your bosom for with the same measure that you use it will be measured to you God's word works in every season so here's what we need to do we need to ask the Lord to open up new streams of revenue he has for us in this season you see, if you'll pray and you'll believe, no matter what happens, God can take care of it in your life. And in the midst of it, he can give you great peace. And the world will look at you and say, everything's being shaken. The world's out of control. How can you have such peace and how can you be joyful? The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Turn to your neighbor and say, the joy of the Lord is our strength. You see, God's already positioned your provision on the pathway ahead of you. These young people that are going to college, they need new streams of revenue. But you know what? God will take care of them. And God will make a way for them. Notice next, he's shaking the nations of the earth and their governments. He's bringing the nations into alignment for his last day plans. Borders are being redrawn and there's a realignment in the nations. And many of the battles that are fought today are over the issue of supply and dominance. China and the Ch uh, South China Sea, which is rich with resources, but it's also one of the major shipping rate trade routes for the world. They seek to control that. They've taken islands and man-made islands, and they put military in there, and we keep sailing our ships in there to, to let them know that we're not going to be intimidated by them. And, and many that fly into those areas and sail into those areas, they're warned by the Chinese government because they're looking to control those trade routes. Russian planes are harassing NATO planes in international airspace. And just the other day, our fighters had to go out and escort Russian bombers that flew 30 miles uh, away from the coast of Alaska. 
Russia, Iran, and Hezbollah are currently in Syria on the northern border of Israel. And Israel is bombing sites in Syria to keep Iran from establishing a base to attack them from their northern border. But I want to tell you, in the midst of all of that, in the midst of, of all the, the uncertainty, in the midst of, of all the, uh, the destabilization of the Middle East, God is on the throne. Now, sometimes we look at all that and we wonder, where is God? Why is God letting that happen? I don't understand that. I'll tell you, he said in the last days that men would be evil and evil would wax worse and worse. And I believe we're living in the very last days. And I believe in these last days we must redouble our efforts and we must be very intentional about preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. What the world needs is not more programs. What the world needs is not more uh, necessarily more programs, but what the world needs today is the message that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he's our Savior, that he can save to the uttermost. He can take someone who's bound in sin. He can take someone who lives in darkness. He can take someone who's never known him as Lord and Savior. He can come into their heart. He can forgive them and cleanse them. The Bible says if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to tell you the world needs to experience the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, the transformational power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I challenge you, South Greenwood Pentecostal Holiness Church here today, 104 years of history, to say that our best days are not behind us, but we're going to rise up in faith. We're going to rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to be witnesses throughout this community, and we're going to let them know that we have the answer. It is not a human answer. It is not a fleshly answer it is not an answer that comes from a political party but it is from the Lord Jesus Christ himself and it is Christ in me the hope of glory and you can know him the way that I know him can you say amen Psalms twenty two twenty eight says this it says God's going to have his way in the nations he rules over the nations but notice next he's shaking the church why is God shaking the church I believe he's dealing with the spirit of religion Religious spirits can in, cannot endure persecution and shaking. The spirit of religion has held the people of God in bondage for way too long. He's shaking the church to remove those things in our lives that have held us in bondage. He's dealing with fear. Religion seeks to hold us in the bondage of fear. But the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, and he warned us about those who might have a form of godliness but denying its power. We're in a crisis in our nation. So what do we do in a crisis? Well, secondly, we have to learn to contend in the crisis. Look at Jude verse 3. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. What does it mean to contend for our promise? Well, the dictionary defines contending as to struggle in opposition, to contend with the enemy for control, to strive in rivalry, compete, vie, to contend, to strive in debate, dispute earnestly, to contend against falsehood. We must contend in prayer for our families, our city, and our nation. James 5.16 says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I want to read that from the 
Amplified Bible, and he'll put it on the screen behind me. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, your false steps, your offenses, and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man, a believer, can accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God. It is dynamic and can have tremendous power. We must rise up in overcoming faith. Overcoming faith is a faith with a tenacity that refuses to give up on the promises that God has made to us. Our only hope today is Jesus. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says this, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, I found this definition, and I've used it before, but I, I love it. Dr. Jack Hayford says, Prayer opens the doorway to the dynamic that shakes, shatters, and does violence to the world of darkness. Hell's forces holds no respect for our attempts to match its wits or its workings. It is forced to yield ground to those believers who pray until they receive power. Prayer can change anything. The impossible doesn't exist. God's is the power Ours is the prayer. Without him, we cannot. Without us, he will not. I'm looking for some people today who will say it's time to pray. God didn't call us to be a prayerless church. He called us to be a house of prayer. And God is calling this church to rebuild the broken altars, rebuild our family altars. We need to pray together. The sweetest, most intimate, precious times that I have with my family is when we pray together. And very often we will pray together. We will have communion together in our home. And we believe in the power of prayer. And I'm here today because of the power of prayer. You're here today because of the power of prayer. You're a believer today. You've experienced Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because somebody probably prayed for you. I had a praying mom. My dad was not a Christian most of my growing up. He was a good father and he was a good husband, but he didn't know Jesus Christ. But thank God when I was pastoring in Baltimore, Maryland on a Sunday night, I was up preaching like I'm preaching to you today. And I looked, looked down and my head usher came down the middle aisle and that wasn't anything uh, unusual because many times someone in the nursery would need something and he would come down and get them but he didn't stop he kept coming and he came right up and he looked at me and I stopped and I said is everything okay he said we got a phone call out in the foyer and he said from your family and I, my first thought was something had happened and he said they're calling from North Carolina it really wasn't North Carolina, but here's the thing. My mother-in-law and father-in-law were in a meeting in North Carolina, and I thought at that time, he said, we got a call from Bob Hicks. Some of you remember Bob and Clara Hicks, two of God's greatest generals. They're in heaven today. And he said, we got a call and said, your dad just walked down the aisle of that church in a Sunday night service and gave his heart and his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. That, my friends, is the power of prayer. My dad is in heaven today. I'll see him again one day because of the power of prayer. If you have love lost ones that are unsaved today, some of them are rebellious. Some of them, the more you talk to them, the meaner they get, the more, the more obstinate, the more stubborn, and the more difficult they are. You just keep praying because the hound of heaven, the Holy Spirit of God, he will not give up on them. He will pursue them. Listen, and he'll keep pursuing them. You say, yeah, but you don't know what they've done. It does not matter. The Bible says he saves to the uttermost. He can find the most vilest sinner, and he can wash them in the blood of the Lamb of Calvary slain before the foundation of the world, and they can be cleansed 
cleansed and made whole through the blood of Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? We become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away. All things become new. Listen, there's power, life-changing, transformational power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me give you a couple of scriptures, and then we're going we're gonna to close this thing up in just a moment. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call to me, and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. That word there, mighty, can also be translated out of the Hebrew as secret things. Romans 12, 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfast in prayer. 1 Peter 4, 7, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Colossians 4, 2, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. And I love the words of Luke 1, 37. For with God, nothing will be impossible. God specializes in the impossible. Matter of fact, that word impossible is not in his vocabulary. It's in ours. And many of us are looking right now at impossibilities. But look beyond that impossibilities and remember the scriptures, all things are possible to him who believes. So we have to contend during the time of crisis. But what are we contending for? We're contending for a comeback. And I know many of you like college football. Can I get an amen on that? I love to watch ball games, but I love those, those games where it looks like it's over and then something happens to the other team and they make a comeback. I was thinking about the Super Bowl last year. Patrick Mahomes, man, he's dynamic quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I've never, I'm, a, I'm a Baltimore Ravens fan. and I'm a Ravens guy. I like the Ravens. But in last year's Super Bowl, that was a tremendous game. They were playing the San Francisco 49ers. And it looked like they had the game in hand. They, they were dominating on defense. Uh, they were scoring. They were running the ball. And it looked like they had the game in hand. And six minutes and 13 seconds left in the game, Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback for the Chiefs, took the game in hand. And I mean, in just a few minutes, they came back, led a comeback, and they won that game. That was one of the greatest games I believe I've ever watched I was jumping up and down I'm sorry but I get excited in their first playoff game they fell behind Deshaun Watson and I was pulling for the Deshaun and the Houston Texans by three touchdowns I mean in the first quarter bang 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 it was 21 to, I said Beth this team is dominating and all of a sudden Patrick Mahomes got hot, and the next thing I know, they won by over 20 points. They obliterated the Houston Texans. I was praying for Deshaun. These were great comebacks. And I know I got a, one or two Patriot fans in here. Tom Brady, maybe the greatest quarterback that's played the game. They were playing the Atlanta Falcons, and the Atlanta Falcons dominated them. And in the second half, all of a sudden, they came back. It went into overtime, and the Patriots won that game. Atlanta was embarrassed, but it was the greatness of that team and that had a comeback. I want to tell you, God is setting you and I up for a comeback. What we call setbacks are God's opportunity to give us a comeback. Let me finish this. We must respond to the crisis we're in by contending in prayer in order to experience a divine comeback. The Apostle Paul wrote to his young son in the faith in 1 Timothy 1.18, 
He said, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Listen to Paul's words in Timothy, in 1 Timothy 6, 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called, and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Notice that Paul calls this a good warfare in 1 Timothy 1, 18. And a good fight in 1 Timothy 6.12. You see, there are numerous individuals in the scriptures who experienced a comeback. And they experienced this divine comeback. Moses. Remember Moses rose up and killed an Egyptian man. Fled the country. Wound up in the wilderness working for his father-in-law. But it was there in the wilderness keeping his father-in-law's flock. He encountered a burning bush. And God spoke to him out of this bush to go to Egypt to deliver the children of Israel from the wilderness. And Moses is listed in the hall of faith in Hebrews eleven twenty three through 29. And Moses today is recognized as maybe one of the greatest leaders by the Jewish people. He had a bad start, but he had a comeback. Job. You remember Job suffered tremendous loss, lost his wealth, lost his children, lost his health had comforters that came by and gave him all kinds of reasons why the things that had befallen him had happened to him. His wife told him, said, curse God and die. But if you read the end of the story, Job had a comeback. He experienced loss, but in the end, he received double as a result of faithfulness to God. Let me pause here and say something to you real quick. I'm almost finished. Don't judge people by the season that they're in. Seasons change. They might be in a season of loss. They may be in a place of difficulty. They might be in a place of hardship. But I want to tell you that God we serve can come on the scene in a moment and turn things around and we can experience a comeback. Job got double as a result of his faithfulness to God. Let me read these scriptures to you. Job 42, 10 through 13. The Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had had before. Then all his brothers, all his sisters, and all those who had been his acquaintance before came to him and ate food with him in his house. And they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him. Each one gave him a piece of silver and each a ring of gold. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. And he had seven sons and three daughters. And if you read on down, it says that his daughters were the most beautiful daughters in the land. And look at verses 16 and 17. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. So Job died old and full of days. I want to tell you that Job experienced a comeback. And the scripture I read to you in the very beginning says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You and I can experience a comeback. Peter, you remember Peter, old brash, outspoken Peter. I like Peter. He just said what everybody else was thinking. And listen, when Jesus was being tried and when Jesus was being led away by the soldiers, it was Peter who three times denied Christ just as Jesus said he would do. And on the last time, the Lord looked across the courtroom or across the courtyard there where he
he was and he saw Peter. And the Bible said that Peter went out and wept bitterly. And you see, many of us would have written Peter off at that moment. We'd have said he'll never be any good to the ministry. We'll say he needs to be restored. He needs something to happen to him. But I want to tell you, at the end of the resurrection, when Jesus came, he appeared on the shores of Galilee. I've been there. I've been to that place. There's a, there's a church that's built. It's called the Primacy of Peter. And Peter was out fishing. And the Bible said he saw Jesus. And he jumped off the boat and swam to the shore. And they had a conversation. And here's what the Lord said to Peter. He said, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, feed my sheep. He said it three times. And on the third time, he said, tend my sheep. Let me tell you, God loved Peter and God restored Peter. And on the day of Pentecost, the first very sermon preached in the New Testament church, it wasn't someone with a seminary education. It wasn't someone who was polished and had an oratorical skills. But it was old rough fisherman Peter. Peter who had cursed. Peter who had denied the Lord. Peter who had wept bitterly. Peter who had walked through some dark times. But I want to tell you on that first day the Bible said he rose up with eleven and he said men this is not drunk as you suppose seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But here's what he said. He said, this is that which the prophet Joel prophesied would come. Uh, and these men are filled with new wine. And 3,000 people were saved that day. If God could do it for Moses, if God could do it for Job, and God can do it for Peter, he can do it for you, and he can do it for me. And you and I must contend for a comeback. Come on and give God praise in this house. Stand with me. we got to go home. Come on and give God praise. Our setbacks are opportunities for a comeback. I want everyone to bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. And I want to just pause for a moment and give you an opportunity that if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, that today can be your day. Today can be your day to accept Jesus. Hallelujah. And the Bible says, All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Over 30 plus years of ministry, I've had the privilege of leading many people to Jesus. I've prayed for people in hospitals. I've prayed for people in their homes. There's one gentleman in, in, in particular that comes to mind. He, he was in the nursing home in Maryland. 
He lived next door to a man who was a member of my church, and both of them, man, they was roughest. They were hillbillies, I'll just say that. Where they had lived had been country, but they'd built up all around it. And they used to sit in this man's garage, and they'd shoot guns out of his garage. <laughs> and the police would come. And one was named Joe. And Joe had never been to church, had never known the Lord, but he got saved. I baptized Joe. And he had this friend, and he was concerned about him, and he was in the hospital. He said, would you go and pray for him? And I went to the Franklin Square Hospital and went in the room. He's in the room. He couldn't hear anything. And I talked to him. And I explained the plan of salvation. And God was working in his life. Because old hillbilly Joe <laughs> had gotten saved. And he wanted his friend to know Jesus. And that day I led that precious man to Jesus Christ. So to make sure that he could hear me. I prayed very loud. I'm a Pentecostal, so I know how to do that. And not only did he hear me, but the man in the room next to me heard me. And I prayed with him, and God did a miracle. Three months later, I preached that man's funeral. And I stood in that funeral service and I recited to that family how a man who had never gone to church, who didn't have a religious upbringing, didn't know anything about Jesus Christ, had the greatest comeback of his life. And when I get to heaven one day, he'll embrace me. I want to tell you, that same Jesus is in this room today. He's here. And if you don't know him, all you have to do is pray this prayer with me. And I want everyone in this room to pray this prayer. Listen, every time I give an altar call and I feel this Holy Spirit conviction that's in this room, I want to run down to this altar and get saved all over again. I really do. I remember when I walked down to the altar. I got in on the side where the women all prayed in those days. I knew who could pray. Six-year-old boy gave my life to Jesus. I've never been the same again. For 51 years, I've served him and loved him. Did I stray? Did I get cold? Did I make mistakes? Absolutely. But he's faithful. And the times I had setbacks over those 51 years, 52 years next month, I've had some comebacks. Greatest comeback you could have today is to accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Pray this prayer with me. Father... I call on the name of Jesus. You're my Savior. I confess my sins. I'm a sinner. Cleanse me. Forgive me. Come into my heart. By faith, I receive your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer and God did a work in your heart, 
I want you to just come before you leave and see me. I've got something I want to give to you and put in your hands, and I want to pray for you in Jesus' mighty name. Who needs a comeback today? Who needs God to intervene in your life? Just where you're at, we're going to form an altar, and we're going to pray, and then we're going to go home. Pastors, I don't know about Presbyterian folks, but Pentecostals like to beat the Baptists to the steakhouse. Amen. We have to, you know, so I, I could tell they got that look like we got to get down there to the Cracker Barrel. <laughs> it's an hour wait when you go. <laughs> Who needs a comeback? Anyone? You need God. You, you, you need God to come back in your life. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand. Those of you that are near them, look around. Would you just... Stretch your hands toward them. We're still trying to social distance. And we don't want to invade anybody's space. We want to be careful. We want you to feel safe. And listen, God can work right where you're at right now. We're going to pray. Father, I pray for every individual that's here in this room today. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to minister to them. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that by your Spirit, you're going to touch them. By your Spirit, you're going to minister to them. By your Spirit, you're going to move in their lives. I pray, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, that, God, you're going to give them a divine comeback. Lord, we've had some setbacks. We've had some crises. But we're contending for the faith today. We're contending in prayer, believing that you're going to give us a divine comeback in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Just receive that today in the name of the Lord. Amen. Do you love him today? Can we give him a hand clap of praise?